Well, praise God that it's Thanksgiving. Can you believe that Thanksgiving is just right around the corner? I think we just started uh, the year just yesterday, and now here we are finding ourselves just a few weeks away from Thanksgiving. So with that said, I want you to take your Bibles and join me in Hebrews chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to take a little break from uh, 1 Corinthians. I got a couple of messages on Thanksgiving I want to share, and then I got some Christmas messages the Lord's placed on my heart. Choir's going to be ministering to us in a couple of weeks uh, concerning uh, Christmas, and so we just uh, are excited about this season. I don't know about you, but I love Thanksgiving. I love the thoughts of thinking and reminiscing and focusing on being thankful. One thing is for sure, Christian people ought to be thankful people. And when we think about thankfulness, we cannot help but think of a passage of Scripture that really focuses on thanksgiving, and that's found over in 1 Thessalonians. Don't turn there because that's not our text. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, In everything, give thanks. I don't know about you, but man, I tell you, there are a lot of things that we can be thankful for. But what I've noticed in ministry, I've noticed that if you're not careful, thankfulness can become a fickle thing. Uh, Take, for example, if all we focus on is the physical. Uh, If we're thankful just for our families or just our homes or just our health or our, our financial stability or just the things that we have. All of these things are subject to change. Our health can go bad. Someone in our family can do something foolish, dumb, or crazy, and it upset us. Uh, Our homes could spring a leak in the roof. Uh, We could have a trial in our financial stability. We could lose it all. And so we can also find where families split and divorce. Uh, We ought to be a thankful people, but if we're not careful, that thankfulness can be Fickle. Why? Well, because what do you do in these situations? What do you do when, there's, when there is financial instability? What do you do when you don't have what you need? What do you do when the bank is uh, empty, when your bank account has run dry? What do you do when your husband leaves you or, the, or there's a split in the family or someone in the family does something foolish? Well, what do you do when your health goes south? This morning, I'd like to suggest to you that we turn our attention Uh, to not just those physical blessings, but we turn to some unchanging truths by which Christians can be thankful for. There are some things, regardless of what the current situation is in our life or in our culture, there are things that Christians can always be thankful for. And that's what the Word of God talks about here this morning in Hebrews chapter 13. In Hebrews chapter 13 in verses 5 through 15, the writer of Hebrews points to some things that we can be thankful for. Some reasons for thanksgiving, if you will. If you found your place, I'd love for you to follow along with me. If you're able to stand, would you please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word? We'll begin in verse number 5. Notice what the text says. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, and today, and forever. 
Be not carried away about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meat which have not profit, profited them that uh, have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning uh, as we look at this text. Some unchanging blessings. Regardless of how the culture changes, there are some unchanged blessings that you and I have that we can be thankful for. You might be here today and maybe you're in a slump. You can be thankful. You might be here today and maybe you're discouraged. You can still be thankful. You may be here today and maybe you're struggling with a family situation. You can still be thankful. What are the things that we can be thankful for regardless of our cultural change or the situation that we're in? Well, there's four of them here. The writer tells us. I want to give them to you this morning. And let's notice the first one. The first thing we can be thankful for is we can be thankful for our Savior. We can be thankful for our Savior. Notice what the Bible says in verse 5, 6, and also in verse number 8. The Bible says in verse number 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. I'm going to stop there because I'm always reminded of a little story when I read this passage of Scripture. I'm reminded of a story of a little boy who went to, uh, to his grandparents' house. It was him, little guy, and his brother. The youngest one was about five or six years old, and the oldest was about 11 or 12 years old, and they were spending the night with their grandparents. Well, it came time for them to go to bed, and so just like always, they would kneel down at the bed, and they would say their prayers. It was time for the youngest one to pray, and the youngest one began to pray, and he was thankful for Jesus and thankful for his grandparents, and then he got to the place where he wanted to ask, God to give him some things and so he began at the top of his lungs began to yell at God God he'd say I want one of them new video games God he'd say I want a new bicycle God he'd say I want a new uh, a new uh, uh, a baseball bat and baseball God I, I want to do this and I want it just got so loud and then he said in Jesus name amen and his brother looked over at him and said Billy what in the world are you doing? Don't you know God's not deaf? <laughs> Billy looked at his older brother and said, Yeah, I know that God's not deaf. He said, But Grandma is. <laughs> the, the Bible says here, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Look at verse number 6. He says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Look at verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. In these three verses, 
These verses tell us of just a few unchanging glories of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And concerning our Savior, there are three things in particular I'd like to point out in these verses. The first one found in verse number five. I want you to notice the Lord Jesus, our Savior, and his abiding presence. His abiding presence. Look at verse number five again. He says in the latter part of that verse, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Regardless of where the path of this life might lead you, the saint of God will never, ever, ever walk alone. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, with his own lips, teaching them to observe all things, he says, whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. I love it when Jesus says amen. He puts an exclamation point right where it needs to be, and he simply says this, I'm committed to you, and you, and you. And you and everyone that calls Jesus Savior. Jesus Christ is committed to you today. Regardless of whatever your situation is. Regardless of whatever hurt you might be going through. Regardless of whatever pain that you might be going in. The Bible says his abiding presence is with you. He's committed to you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is with you. Say, well, I don't feel his presence. Get a little bit closer to him. Get a little bit closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Spend a little bit more time in his word. Come to Christ. Know Jesus, his abiding presence. He's here right now. I'm going to tell you how present the Lord was. The Lord was so present here with us this morning that in the 815 service at the invitation, we had folks coming down and saying, hey, I want you to pray with me, Pastor, about this particular situation. The presence of the Lord has burdened my heart. The presence of the Lord was so apparent in the 930 service that at the invitation, people flooded here and came to the altar and prayed, asking God and thanking. God and being a thankful people and while it was all said and done the presence of the Lord wasn't done yet one lonely individual come walking up and said I'm deeply convicted I need to surrender my life to baptism I've given my heart to Jesus but I've never made it public and praise God next week at 930 we'll celebrate another baptism why because of the abiding presence of the Lord he's with us he's here today he's committed to you But not only do we see his abiding presence, we also see his assisting presence. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Now, if you have your pen, I would underline that word helper there. The word helper comes from a word which means to run. The idea is that when we're in need... The Lord Jesus Christ is not only present with us, but he is also assisting us. He assists us in our hurt. The Bible also calls him the comforter. We find that in John chapter 14, verse 6, in relationship to the Holy Spirit. He says, and I pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. That word comforter there is a Greek word. It's paraclete. It means one that has been called alongside to aid or to support. 
several years ago, I was sitting in my study and I was doing some reading and I heard this blood-curdling scream outside. Uh, my children were outside, so I immediately jumped up and I ran to the window and I, I opened up the blind, I opened up the window there to see Garrett, who was just a little bitty boy, he had just learned to ride his bike. He was pedaling his bicycle as hard as he could and we had chickens and roosters and dogs and cats and all this stuff and the, the rooster that we had was right on his tail and the poor guy wasn't fast enough to outrun the, the rooster and that rooster was flogging him. Have you ever been flogged by a rooster? That'll bless your heart, won't it? Man, he was flogging him and I'm telling you what, Garrett was so upset, I mean, I thought he was dying. I immediately opened the door and I ran out and without being too graphic, let me just put it this way, we had a nice Christian funeral for that rooster. Now, I came to my son's aid. I, he needed help. Uh, he, he didn't know what to do. He was struggling. He was in pain. He was hurting. And his father ran to him. Listen to me. The love of the father, the love of a mother towards their children is great. But greater still is the love that Jesus has for each one of you. You see, his assisting presence is there. You must turn to Him. You must lean upon Him. You must reach out to Him. Lean upon Jesus. We can thank God our Savior for His abiding presence. We can thank God our Savior for His assisting presence. But watch this. There's a third thing there. It's found in verse number 8. We can also thank God for His anchoring presence. He's the anchor of our soul. Look at verse number 8. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. One of the greatest sources of thanksgiving is knowing the truth that Jesus never changes. Did you know on a scale of 1 to 10, Jesus loves you a 10? Jesus loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son to, or God loves you so much he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus loves you so much he willingly went to the cross and died for you. Jesus loves you. Turn, turn to that person beside you and say, Jesus loves me. Turn to that person on the other side and say, Jesus loves me too. Now turn to that person you just looked at and said, Jesus loves you. <laughs> I'm so glad y'all came to church today. Y'all were listening so well. One thing we can rest assured in is this. In the anchoring presence of Jesus Christ... He is the confidence by which we live. We couldn't make it through the day without him. I love what Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 says. Jesus said, and he came and he spake in them saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Boy, I'm confident to know that not only is he the creator of this universe, he's the lover of my soul, he's the saver of my soul, and he saved me when I came to know him as Jesus Christ. There's one, listen, there might be a lot of inconsistencies in this world today, but you can rest assured Jesus is the constant on which we can put our hope in. We can always be thankful for our Savior. But watch this. There's a second thing I want you to notice here in the text. Not only do we see here that we can be thankful for our Savior, but the second thing we find in verses 9 through 12 is that we can be thankful for our salvation. We can be thankful for our salvation. In verses 9 through 12, the writer focuses on three aspects of our salvation. Let me show them to you if I could. Number one, I want you to notice the price of it. 
He talks about salvation and the price of it. Look at what he says there in verse number 9. He says, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Oh, I'm so grateful that this verse mentions grace. Before there was the law, and the law condemned us. The law said we could not get to Jesus Christ. The law said we were destined and damned for hell. But grace came into the picture when Jesus died on Calvary's cross and as he died on Calvary's cross he paid the price in order for you and I to get to heaven I love what Isaiah 55 says Isaiah 55 1 says it doesn't matter who you are anybody can come to Jesus listen to what the scripture says he says everyone that thirsteth come Yea, uh, yea, uh, to those uh, that need water, and he that hath no money, if you want to come, you need to buy, you need to eat, yea, come, you need to come and buy wine and milk without any money, come, 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 without price, he says, all can come. Who can come to the Messiah? Everybody. I I love what Revelation says, Revelation puts it this way, in Revelation 22, 17, the scripture says this, and the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come. And let him that a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Who can come to know Jesus Christ as Savior? Anybody, everybody, whoever, whosoever will can come to know Jesus. Several years ago, I was preaching. I gave an invitation, and there was a veteran uh, that was in the congregation. And this veteran came forward at the invitation, tears running down his uh, eyes. And his tears were running down his eyes, and he came forward. And as he came forward, he grabbed my hand, and he says, Preacher, he says, the way that I understand this, what you're telling me today is that Jesus Christ died for my sins. Regardless of what I've done, he loves me and forgives me. That's what I understand you're saying. And I said, yes, sir, that's right. He says, but do do you realize that I was in the Korean War? I got shot down. I was in a POW camp. He said, I hated those people. I killed those people. Do you, do you not know what I've done? Does he not know what I've done? I said, he knows exactly what you've done. And he says, and he still loves me. I said, he shed his blood for you. Right there on that day, that war veteran gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Settled the issue. Thanks be unto God. He's the God that knew the price was high. And Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the only begotten Son, paid the price for you and I. He shed his blood on Calvary's cross. I want to show you a second thing. Watch this. Not only do you see the price of it, but we also notice in verse number 12 the pain of it. The pain of it. Look at verse 12 very quickly. He says there in the text, Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Now if you have your pens and you're marking, you're following along with me, I would underline with his own blood. We see there in that passage of scripture the pain of it. The pain that it took. For us, the price was low, but for God, the price was unimaginable. And it was the cost of his son and the the death of his son on Calvary's cross and the pain that he must have endured as he shed his blood for you and I. Isaiah 53 gives the dramatic tale, if you will, of it. He says this, Surely he hath bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearer is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus knew the pain that was going to happen. He understood the pain that it was going to happen, and he took your pain and my pain on himself, and he felt the pain of death and the pain of his blood as he died for you and me on Calvary's cross. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews in chapter 9, verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Jesus had to shed his blood. There had to be pain. Oh, can you imagine? As Jesus there took the lashes from the whip of cat nine tails, as they come back and come across his back, time after time after time, taking the punishment that was for you and I, the pain of it. Think about uh, being gone last week. I was bird hunting there, trying to get the birds for the wild game dinner, not being facetious at all in all seriousness. Going, getting those birds, making an opportunity for some lost soul to eat a pheasant, which they may not eat ever except at at a wild game dinner, that we might be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. We were hunting that one, one day, and a bird got up, and I was able to shoot it, and it landed close enough where I was closer to it than the dogs were. And I picked it up, and um, I was already hot. I mean, we were, it was cold up there, and, and I did what every southerner does. I overcompensated and had about 22 layers on, and... The uh, fact of the matter is I was hot and, and, and it was and I was sweaty and uh, but then I was cold because then I was sweating. I mean it was 32 degrees. I mean it was really quite. Uh, so anyways, I took my hat off and I stuck it in my in my vest. And then I was cold and so I, I put a I put a toboggan on. It was a whole full face toboggan. I slid it there on. And I had that in, I had my hat in there, and I got that bird, and I picked that bird up, and when I did, that bird's blood got all over my head. And I stuck that bird in my vest where it goes, and that bird bled all over my hat. And the point that I want to make here is just simply this. My hands were stained with the blood of that bird. And I could not help but think about the blood of Jesus. That was shed on Calvary's cross. And while I could go to the sink and I could wash my hands. And I could clean the blood off of my hands. I was always reminded and still even today. When I reach in and I pulled that hat out. And saw the blood stain on that hat. Oh dear friend. The pain that Jesus went through. He bled and died, and there's a blood stain on my heart that has washed my sins white as snow. And I stand before God forgiven, not because of what I've done, but because of what He's done. 
the salvation that he's offered to me. You see, the Bible says it is by grace that you're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. The pain of it. The price of it. But then let me show you a third thing real quickly here. We see the purpose of it. What's the purpose of our salvation? Notice if you would in verse number 12 again. He says, wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. It just simply says this. Watch this. The sacrifice that Jesus Christ made was not on the altar in the temple. It was on an old rugged cross at Calvary. And the purpose for that was to sanctify. That word sanctify means to set apart. To take us out of the miry muck of sin and to cleanse us with the blood of Jesus and set us apart for his glory, for his honor, for his purpose. Dear friend, every person in this room, God's given a purpose. You got a purpose. Ma'am, you have a purpose. Sir, you have a purpose. So how do you know I've got a purpose? Because you're breathing. God hadn't taken you home yet. God hadn't killed you and said, come on, it's time to come on home. No. And as long as you draw breath, you have a purpose. Did you know that all of our purposes are the same and yet they're different? So what do you mean? Our purposes are all the same in the fact that you and I are to give our lives to the glory of God. It is a living sacrifice. We live and we praise God. We give praise to Jesus Christ. Our lives are to glorify God. Your life is to glorify God. At work, sir, listen. All those dirty jokes that are being told and the F-bombs that are being dropped, you are to live above that. Not that you're better than them, but you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Ma'am, that service that you're in, whether that be nursing at a hospital or somewhere, and you're dealing with people, and people are ugly and mean and rude, and they're ugly to you, dear friend, listen to me. You're filled with the Spirit of God. Love them like Jesus would love them. Even though they're unlovable, Jesus loved the unlovable you and I. Dear friend, we got a purpose. We have a purpose collectively that our lives bring glory to God. But we have a purpose individually. What is your individual purpose? I'll tell you what mine is. Mine's to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's God's purpose in my life. Now watch yours. It doesn't have to be to preach the gospel. Maybe God's called you to a particular hard area. In that area that you're in, God wants you to be a light in that dark world. Maybe you work at one of the warehouses that are around. I used to work in a warehouse. I know what goes on there. I find it amazing that when people find out that you're born again children of God and your talk matches your walk, how your ministry will expand. I used to work at the Advanced Auto Parts Distribution Center many, many years ago. And I was a, I was a utility guy. I ran, believe it or not, I ran cherry pickers and drove forklifts and all that wonderful stuff, loaded trucks. I had a great time. It was just wonderful, wonderful. And obviously, everybody knew without me telling them, I didn't come in and say, the preacher's here. But I was in seminary. I was trying to go to Bible college. I was learning and working full time and all these things. Uh, word gets out. I had a couple of buddies of mine that worked there. They began to share that I was uh, in Bible college and that I was studying to be a pastor. And then all of a sudden, within a matter of weeks, because they were watching me, the first couple of times they'd come up, man, they'd want me to laugh at a dirty joke or they'd want me to uh, listen to a nasty story. 
And I, I would just in all kindness, without trying to be rude or ugly or haughty with my nose in the air, simply say, I appreciate uh, you communicating with me. Thank you. I, I, I'm just going to... I don't really need to hear the rest of the story. I appreciate that. And I just, in, in humility, in humility, not trying to be ugly or mean, just kind of slip away, slip aside from those stories. Well, over time, they realized that my walk matched my talk. And then all of a sudden, what happens? There's a death in one of the families. And who do they come to? Not their supervisor. They come to me. And then all of a sudden, my name changed. And then not only I'm now I'm Shane, now I'm the preacher. And now all of a sudden, I'm pastoring the Advanced Auto Parts Distribution Center. Uh, I, I'm praying, Lord, should I take an offering at break time? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. But I'm amazed. I'm amazed, though. PJ, I'm amazed how people would come up and say, Hey, would you pray for my, pray for my daughter? Hey, would you, come in, would you pray for my son? But would you, would, can I talk to you just, just for a minute? Can I talk to you just for a minute about some things that I'm going through? Dear friend, listen to me. God has got you right where he wants you. Are you going to answer the call to fulfill the purpose that he's put you there for? He's given us a Savior. We can thank God for that. He's given us salvation. There was a great price. There was a great pain. And there was a purpose for it. For you, according to the Word of God, to be sanctified, to be separated from the world so that you could win one more to Jesus Christ. The purpose of it. And then let me, let me give you this third thing very quickly. I saw my time is quickly running out. We also see our separation. Our separation. So we've talked about our Savior. We're thanking God. That's an unchanging truth. The unchanging truths of our Savior, His abiding presence, His assisting presence, His anchoring presence. We praise God and thank God for our salvation. We looked at the price of it, the pain of it, and the purpose of it. And now here we come to verse 13, and we see our separation. What do you mean? Look at what the Scripture says. Notice what the Bible says, verse 13. Let us go forth, therefore, unto Him without the camp, bearing His reproach. Now, what in the world does that mean? What is he talking about here? Go out of the camp and bear his reproach. It is the New Testament term by which was written in Hebrew to the Hebrews, telling them that he is wondering, are there any Christians willing to take a stand for Jesus Christ? Come out of the temple and take a stand for Jesus Christ who said he was the Messiah, who died on the cross, who was buried, and three days later come up out of the grave. The only one to conquer death, hell, and the grave. Who will rise up, come out of the temple, following Jesus, and be separate from the false religion. That's what he's saying there. The call of this verse is for us to do on the outside what God's already done for us on the inside. Called us. His child. I uh, got this old red book hymnal. Uh, many years ago, George uh, Dunfield wrote, he wrote a hymn in 1858. The title of the hymn was Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. He wrote it as a result of the death of a great evangelist back in the 1800s. The evangelist died, and the story goes that on his deathbed, the evangelist told his father, who was also a preacher, said, Stand up, stand up for Jesus. 
And the man was so moved by hearing that story, he penned these words. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The trumpet call obey. Forth to, uh, to the might, mighty conflict in this his glorious day. Ye who are men now serve him against unnumbered foes. Let courage rise with danger and strength to, to strengthen oppose. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Did you hear that lyric that says, the arm of flesh will fail you, you dare not trust your own? The whole reason why the preacher died, the evangelist died, uh, he died because his arm got stuck in a, in a threshing, a, a wheat threshing machine. And it ripped his arm to pieces and he got an infection. And as he was preaching the gospel, he got an infection. And because of that infection, he died. And so when George Dunfield wrote this, he included that lyric that says, The arm of flesh will fail ye, you dare not trust your own. But I want you to listen to the last verse. Listen to the last thing he wrote. He pins this. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Oh, hope you'll get this. The strife will not be long. This day, the noise of battle, the next, the victor's song. To him that overcometh, a crown of life shall be. He with the king of glory shall reign eternally. Dear friend, I don't know what you're going through. I'm telling you, the strife's not going to be long. Stay separated. Stand up. Take a stand for Jesus Christ. I heard a story many years ago about a little Chinese girl in communist China. She was in an underground church when the Chinese police, the state police, came in to arrest everyone. They busted into the little basement church, and there was several people worshiping and praising God like we're doing here. The guards came in, and they arrested everybody, and they took a little child, a little girl, and they drug her to the front of the room in front of everybody. There was a picture, what they thought was a depiction of Jesus there. You've all seen those pictures. They took the picture off the wall and they threw it there on the floor. They had the little girl by the arm and they said, spit on the picture and denounce Christ. And that little girl, she couldn't be no more than 13 years old, looked up and said, I'm not doing it. They said, spit on that picture of Jesus Christ. She says, I know that picture is not Jesus. I know that Jesus is in here, but I will not spit on that picture. I'm not going to do it. And the guards began to spit on the picture and said, If you don't spit on this picture like we've spit on this picture, we're going to kill you. She wiggled off away from the guards and she reached down. And she picked up that picture by which they spit on. And she shook the glass off of it. And she took her little arm and she began to clean that picture. And she said, you might can take my body, but you'll never take my soul. And with that, they killed the little girl.
Well, I'm going to tell you what. One day, we may have to take a stand like that. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. There might be a call to battle, but I'm telling you one day, there's going to be the victory song. We see our separation. But then number four, and I'm done. I'm out of time. I have two minutes. Thank you for being patient. He says that there are some unchanging truths that regardless of the circumstance that we're in, we can be thankful to God. We can be thankful for our Savior, our salvation, our separation. And then watch this, number four. We can be thankful for our sanctuary. Our sanctuary. What do you mean? Look at verse number uh, verse number 14, if you would. He says, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. The writer of Hebrews is just simply saying this. This world is not our home. We reside here in Maysville, Georgia. We reside in Jefferson. We reside here in America. But this world's not our home. No, for the born-again child of God, our true sanctuary is where Jesus is. And one day we're going to go to that sanctuary. He says, we don't have a continuing city here. No, our continuing city is with the Lord. Thank God one day I'm going home. One day I'm going to be with Jesus. Whether it be by rapture or whether it be by death, one day I'm going to be with Jesus. Some, there's something better that lies ahead. This world is not all that there is. One day we can rest in our labors. But until that day comes, here's the challenge. Watch this. The challenge is in verse 15. Watch it. You see it? He says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I don't know about you, but Have you ever lived your life in such a way and had things happen in your life where praising God was a sacrifice? The scripture says it will be a sacrifice of praise that comes from your lips. Uh, John, uh, I listened to John's sermon while I was in South Dakota, and he said something that um, is right on the money. Man, he he hit the ball out of the park when he said this. He said the most, frequent, the most frequented place in the church needs to be the altars. <clears throat> needs to be the altars. What will change the United States of America? Born again believers on their knees crying out to God to do something great once again. I don't know about you, but I still believe in a God that loves revival. A God that wants to see Nineveh come to him. A God that wants to see Corinth experience a move of God. God is in the business of wanting men and women and boys and girls to come to him. Would to God that he'd break our hearts for lost souls. And the only way that he'll do that is by us understanding we're only here temporarily. We got a better home awaiting And watch this. There's one thing you cannot do in heaven. 
One thing you cannot do. You cannot witness. You cannot share the gospel. Why? Because we're going home. So while we are here on this side, may we offer the sacrifice of praise to the one that saved us. I close with where I began. There's one passage of Scripture in the Word of God, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And it says, in all things give thanks. In all things give thanks. Did you hear that? In all things give thanks. Not for all things. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think we need to be thankful for, for some things. But he says, in all things give thanks. Check it out. See, it's amazing. Here's my question to you. What are you in? Are you in hurt? Give thanks. Are you in pain? Give thanks. Are you in heartache? Give thanks. Are you in financial trouble? Give thanks. In all things, give thanks. Now, watch this. That resonated with some of you. It, it, some of you, it resonated in here because you're born again. For some, you're scratching your head going, what's that mean? What does it mean? You see, there are two groups of people that are here today. There are saved people and there are lost people. The saved people understand what it means to be in something. But why? Because we're in Christ. Remember, the Bible says a born-again child of God is in Christ and Christ in God. Nothing can separate you from that. Nothing. So you are in Christ. So we understand that regardless of the situation, we're in Christ. And that means we've got some things we can praise Him for. Our Savior, our salvation, our separation, our sanctuary. But then there are people here that are lost, and that made no sense to you. Why? Because you are not in Christ. In order to be thankful in all things, you must first understand that you're in Christ. And the Bible tells us that you can be in Christ. Do you know the Bible says this? The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. The Bible says you can know that you have eternal life if you believe on the name of the Son of God. The key to that passage is belief. That word belief is a deep-seated knowledge inside of your heart, a trust, putting your trust in the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. It's not a head knowledge. It's a heart knowledge. And so here's my question to you today. Do you have that? Are you in Christ? You see, if you're in Christ... You'll be like that guy in the last service. He could not, he wrestled, he wrestled and wrestled during the invitation on whether or not to come forward and, and commit himself to baptism. He wrestled with that. Why? Because he was in Christ. And if you're in Christ and the Lord's dealing with you, he's dealing with you, I'm going to tell you what, you're miserable until you obey him. And so, again, I want to ask you this question, Christian. Are you in Christ? If you're not in Christ, I want to invite you to come, get, come in today. Just like the scripture says, are you thirsty? Come to Jesus. Are you hungry? Come to Jesus. Whatever you need, come to Jesus. Let's bow for prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe you're here today. and Maybe you've never trusted Christ as Savior. And this morning, that's something you know you need to do. You need to be in Christ.
According to the Bible, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt, you will be saved. So I want to ask you this morning, from your heart to God's heart, I'm going to ask you to confess to God. And I'm going to ask you to get saved today. Could you help me, preacher? I could. Why don't you say something like this to the Lord? From your heart, say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Messiah. And I trust by faith you died on the cross for my sin. I repent of my sin. And I trust you as Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Now before I say amen, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you, maybe you prayed that prayer along with me. To the best of your ability, you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart. If you did that today, I don't want to embarrass you. I'm, this is not a place of embarrassment. I'm a pastor. I am someone that is called to help you. If you did that today, and you prayed and asked Jesus to save you, you prayed that along with me, would you just lift your hand up nice and high and say, I'm not ashamed to tell you, preacher, today, I prayed and got saved. I asked Jesus to save my soul today. Just lift it up real high and say, I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. I did that today. Thank you. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, preacher, I'm saved. I'm born again. But I'm going to be honest with you. When I look back over this year, I haven't been very thankful. I've been very cynical. I've been downright rude. I haven't been fulfilling the purpose that God called me to in being a thankful believer. Dear friend, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to obey Christ. I gave you four things you can be thankful for today. Why don't you leave pride in your seat? Why don't you come onto this altar? Why don't you exercise the fact that you can come and spend time with Jesus this morning as the preacher's given the message from God? What's your decision? What's your decision? Do you need to be baptized? Come. What's your decision? Do you need to join the church? Come. What's your decision? Do you need to rededicate? Come, whatever your need, come and do business with God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we still have a good old-fashioned invitation. Would you do what only you can? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Phil, you're going to sing. As we do, the altars are open. We have ushers here, altar workers. Why don't you come as we sing together? Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free.
Please put the chorus back up. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I want this to be our uh, our closing thought today. Uh, no church tonight. I hope I hope you'll go out and uh, pay for a veteran's lunch. And the veteran said, "Amen." Right there. Uh, f- find some veteran this evening. Take them to supper. Something. Maybe that'd be be a real blessing. But could we do this? I. Uh, I I want to just sing. Can we sing it a cappella, Janae? Can you give us the what we need there? All right. Can you lead us with this? Because I'm not. You ready? <laughs> Let this be our prayer. Here we go. Turn.